1: Hey, friend O Steve here. And Larson. And we are here with the creators of Dark Side of the Ring, Evan Husney and Jason Eisener. Uh guys, thanks so much for being here with us. Our, our reviews for Dark Side are like one of the more popular things that we've done here on the channel. Mm-hmm. Our the, the video we did where we're we're trying to pitch the creators of Dark Side <laughs> of the Ring new ideas for for season three or even beyond that uh did really well for us. So thanks so much for for stopping by.
2: Yes, thank you very
3: oh. much. Oh, thank Thanks you guys. Having. You know, we, we we're we were always excited to see when you guys do like a review for our episode. And either Evan or myself are sending the, the link to each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's cool to be with you guys.
1: We have a ton of questions because we're a big fan or big fans of Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And then we've got some questions from the friendos we we dropped it on our patreon hey we're going to be interviewing you guys do you guys have any questions so uh we'll get to those in a bit but obviously uh the number one thing on everybody's mind uh is season three uh there's been some purported leaks there's been some supposed (laughs) leaks perhaps uh and obviously you're bound by vice's own schedule of announcing things but just we'll leave it up to you guys what can you tell us about season three it's coming, sure yeah, it's gone. <laughs> there will be a season <laughs> <in>. three confirmed, <laughs> confirmed
4: yes. It's happening. It's happening. Right. I don't know if you guys saw the announcement, but it's happening. <laughs> um no, 14 episodes, which is absolutely crazy. I mean, we're obviously thrilled that they believe in us that much to give us that many hours. Uh, but at the same time, we're kind of like, oh my god, 14 14 episodes. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so we're we we've hit the ground running. We've we've already been out the door two different times to do two different long trips of shooting interviews. Um, But yes, because there has been some leaks, (coughs) Bischoff, um, then we can, you know, confirm that, you know, we are doing a Brian Pillman story, which we're really excited about. We've actually talked about doing that story ever since the very beginning uh, of the show that was always one and we wanted to do and now that we're doing it I'm very excited about that uh, We are doing the WCW in North Korea uh, mm. Misadventures nice. um, Which is uh, proving shaping up to be quite fun and then uh, we're also yes indeed we are doing a story about the uh, The Jake the Snake Roberts aka Smith family Story um, about Jake Roberts and his siblings uh, Rock and Robin and Sam Houston kind of coming up to the wrestling business um, and yeah, that, that's a, that's proving to be a pretty, uh, pretty special episode as well. So we can't wait to, uh, get those out there. I mean, most of these are already shot. We're just, uh, have to keep going and filming more. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. 14 episodes. That's, um, that's a lot. That's really it ambitious. <laughs> um, let's go back to the beginning though. Like what was the Genesis of dark side of the ring? How'd you guys hook up? Like, how'd you meet and decide to do a wrestling documentary series on how messed <laughs> up the wrestling industry is?
3: Well, uh, I guess at the very beginning, um, Evan and I, we first met each other at um, a film festival in Utah called Sundance. Um, I had a film playing there, and uh, uh, Evan was promoting films there. And we first met there and just hit it off. And I think one of the first things we hit, hit it off over was our love for wrestling. We both have been like huge fan of wrestling, of, of wrestling since we were kids. And every time we would get together, we would just spend all our time either wrestling each other or talking about this. <laughs> and we yes. like, we just like had fantasized about doing something in the world, like telling these stories. Like we were, we were also at that time, like probably six or seven years ago now, just devouring every interview, every like kayfabe commentator, like DVD <laughs> we can find um, just, you know, collecting these stories, and we thought at the time, like, man, maybe we could pitch something um, to a studio about doing, like, more of a narrative-style show within the world of wrestling. Something that's kind of, like, The Sopranos meets Boogie Nights, but all within the world of wrestling, and... um, Like the territories. Yeah, Yeah. like the territories era, and we tried pitching that in Hollywood, and when you pitch anything wrestling-related in Hollywood, it just goes, like, whoop, like way over their heads and to see wrestling as something that's like lowbrow entertainment and never really like uh understood how like there's stories in this world that like anyone can connect with it's not just wrestling fans that could be interested in these so do you think i
1: mean do you think that's something that might change i mean given your guys's success now with dark side and then on top of that like glow Was a pretty Mm -hmm. big, I mean, that, I I know it recently got canceled, but I mean, definitely captured some sort of zeitgeist there. Do you think, is that, is it a possibility still?
4: Well, I think around the time of GLOW, like I think a lot of executives and people at Netflix could come up with like, you know, exceptions to that rule about wrestling. Well, it's not really a wrestling show. You know, it's, it's got like another spin on it, another whole thing. But our whole experience was just finding that nobody, it, it, like the minute you mentioned wrestling to an executive or somebody you were pitching a project to, they just tuned out. Like they just weren't, wow. they stopped listening. Wow. And so we were like, dang, like, and this is, you know, going back a few years now. I think things might change now that, you know, Vince McMahon documentary on Netflix, you know, our show maybe in part and all the other projects that are coming out. So I think it might. I think, it, I think the tide is changing a little bit, but originally we wanted to make that just, you know, amazing, you know, dramatic series about wrestling, you know, to, to just springboard off of all those crazy stories from back in the seventies and eighties. Um, and so we thought, well, if, if nobody, I mean, it's it's a hard thing to get a TV show off the ground, let's yeah. be real for a second. But also it was like, if, if that is not going to like, if no one's going to bite on that, um then maybe we need to do the documentary version first and we need to like get people to buy into these stories and see that they're real and that they could appeal to people beyond just wrestling fans so that was kind of like the original thought and then it was right around the same time when jason and i were going through all these shoot interviews and getting obsessed with all this different stuff um that we kind of stumbled across the bruiser brody story which is really the thing that just captivated us like mm-hmm. right from the yeah. beginning. And yeah. it was like, wow mm-hmm. this is an incredible story because obviously you know we didn't we're a little young to have been a fan of his and his heyday, obviously. Yeah, same, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was like going back and just seeing all this incredible footage, and then like, oh my god, and then seeing um, just like all the details and like the all the like injustice surrounding what happened back in Puerto Rico, and how there's just more rocks to overturn and more people to talk to. So we got obsessed with that, and then the original idea was just to do a documentary about that, mm-hmm. nothing really more than that. And and so um, I was working at Vice at the time, and as uh, you know, producing stuff for them and uh they just started this tv network and it was like okay let's see if we can pitch this documentary and you know anytime you pitch a one-off doc can it be made into a series Mm -hmm. and then we thought well sure there's plenty of stories in wrestling (laughs) wrestling is a really messed up interview interview. yeah Uh, it is plenty of plenty of
1: stories out there
4: right but that wasn't kind of the original idea almost like it wasn't like from what i remember it wasn't like let's like the the name Dark Side of the Ring didn't even actually come into the picture until we were just had finished the first season, so yeah. we didn't even know what it was going to really become. We just knew that we wanted to tell human stories in wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. and see where that took us. But the Bruiser Brody thing was what what just completely caught caught us in the very beginning, and that and we were just kind of off to the races to try and piece that together the best. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. and
3: and even just like following Bruiser Brody's career, like because we really did become so obsessed. Like anytime we found like a picture or anything with Bruiser Brody that we hadn't seen or a video or a clip, we just like collected and were obsessive, but even going down the road of um, discovering his life, it leads you into like, you know, world-class and like his time with the Von Ericks and Fritz That's and true. Gino Hernandez. And so, you know, through the story of Bruiser Brody, we're discovering kind of these other pockets of stories that we didn't know, uh, growing up. And then we just became even more obsessed and obsessed with those stories too. It's, it, it is, it, I
1: I think all wrestling fans, like once you turn a certain corner, you inevitably go down the rabbit Mm -hmm. hole of Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Because like when Larson and I were were coming up in college, that's when, that's when we really started to get into it. And that was when like the NWO and then Monday night wars were really kicking off Mm -hmm. and event and i remember we bought our first uh pro wrestling illustrated almanac mm-hmm. and just it was destroyed within like days <laughs> because i was like what is this east and we had just moved to la at the time to go to college and it was like it was our first exposure to ecw mm-hmm. and so like at that point you're like whoa what is all this what are, like these territories like i we weren't really sure yeah. about that stuff you'd start mm-hmm. going down and then and now with yeah. the internet obviously it's like, man, you, it's endless. Like the shoot interviews, Bruiser Brody is such yeah. a fascinating story. Yeah. I really love yeah. the, the Dark Side episode on it. Yeah. Um, he was such a charismatic guy. I feel like he was probably born like, I don't know, 20 or 30 years too early because these days he still has like the the camera look, the camera charisma. He's got mm-hmm. everything. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's
4: one of the most believable guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like he really knew, he understood the craft mm-hmm. of like, you know, really blurring the lines and you really believed that he was a guy that was going to come out and, you know, you couldn't contain him and he was wild and nobody could beat him. He seemed like just Mm -hmm. this monster. But yeah, I can totally echo that same sentiment too of like, I remember like I grew up WWF fan, you know, completely as a kid. And then like going back and rediscovering the territories, like going through those old coffee table books of all those portrait shots, like, God, look at all these dudes like foreheads who the hell are these guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly Being yeah. like all the guys who are like i've never heard of that guy but look at his forehead and they all just have these crazy foreheads
2: i remember that yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the always has it, stuck right? out is is you look at old pictures like how did that how many times he sliced open his forehead for it to look yeah, that yeah. way
4: yeah, it's like that. That was like the line. It's like that's the line of the difference. It's like the forehead people and then the WWF. <laughs> Changing of the tide. You got like, a, um, you
1: got like Abdullah the Butcher with like, you know, several foreheads worth of scarring on his yeah. forehead. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. got you bring, like
3: five oh, foreheads so. on top of his forehead. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you also bring up too, like, it's like once you like discover this other side of wrestling or like the romanticism of it, it's like you're just you 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 become obsessed with it and you want to know everything about it it's mm-hmm. like it's like taking the red pill of the matrix like in the wrestling world it's just like <laughs> once you've gone down that road it's it, there's there's there's
1: a very forbidden door quality to wrestling because mm-hmm. of the concept of kayfabe because they they want to protect the business and so that just it's the forbidden fruit. It just makes you yeah. want to learn more. And that's why shoot interviews are so great because you mix like the reality with usually 90% of the time, like a dash of bitterness and mm-hmm. the stories in shoot interviews are so compelling.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it was also like watching those shoot interviews too. It was like when we're trying to, come up with an idea of like making a show ourselves was like, man, if these, if there was just a better camera in that room, yes, you know, there, there wasn't that, you know, branded backdrop in the background. It always looks like like
1: interrogation footage. Yeah.
4: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, if we could make it seem just like really cinematic and shoot it really well, these guys are incredible storytellers. They literally transport you to that room or that place that whatever. And that was kind of the jumping off point too of like, if we film that really well, and then we can somehow reenact this world, too. Because they because they do such a good job of putting you there. But mm-hmm. that, that was kind of what we thought. And also, we were really f- huge fans of this of this this documentary from the 80s called The Thin Blue Line, which is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, was, you know, Errol Moore, for those who don't know, it's, an, it's a true crime documentary, probably the most seminal true crime documentary mm-hmm. film by Errol Morris. And it's really cool because he just really leaned into making those reenactments as stylized as possible Mm -hmm. and 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 kind of injected almost a film noir quality into them and that was just so cool and just made it so cinematic it made like it took like a kind of boring format of a documentary and just really made it something different and we really wanted to just borrow from that which we did a lot no and that was kind of how we did put it together
2: yeah it's it's, it's very evident that now that you mentioned thin blue line um the the parallels between how your filming style for Dark Side in that documentary. And I'm happy you mentioned that because I'd seen things line a while ago. And just, oh, it's, cool. Definitely. seen Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah and, and like also the music, too. That was the other thing, too, mm-hmm. is like, you know, Philip Glass, that score of that movie in Thimble Line is incredible. And it also had this quality of like, because the music was sort of like repetitive and hypnotic, it kind of like always had this. It always reeled you in. And we wanted to have that quality too for our show. So that was kind of the way we approached the music in the show with our composers. And we just, yeah, we just borrowed a lot from that formula.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's even why we have like the the wrestlers like looking directly into the camera. We knew that, you know, they were trained to do that their whole life, like do, cutting promos, just looking right down the barrel of the lens. And we thought, oh, that'll be like an interesting quality to this. Like let the mm-hmm. audience really be connected mm-hmm. to the subjects. and. In, like I've said, like when yeah, drilling you great. into
1: their story. I'm yeah, thinking I'm. Th- it's funny because I'm because I I just saw the Thin Blue Line. It's probably within the last two years for like mm-hmm. the first Same time. And here. I'm thinking of like one of the opening scenes. I think was like you have the cop car. You have two cops. The background is like completely dark, and they're yeah. like mildly at. Ad- there's I mean they play with depth of field a lot. Yeah, in that and like mm-hmm. it literally that looks like the language used for dark side. Mm-hmm. I, I love being able to put that together now. That yeah, that's, same that's here. amazing. It's that's great.
3: great. Yeah, what one thing too we we have on our side that works so well is you know, with wrestlers all you have to really see is their silhouette mm-hmm. and you know who mm-hmm. that wrestler is. Mm-hmm. So we just with that noirish vibe, we just have to, you know, mimic that silhouette and then hopefully the audience will be transported put know, it together. to that yeah. place. And- yeah. What's the, joke, what's yeah.
1: the casting pro? I mean, do you, do you have the camera set up <laughs> out of focus when you cast?
3: <laughs> um, they're actually, when I cast, um, and the actors come in, I put them in front of a giant window where the sun's coming in and then I'll take pictures where I'll just make it super dark. So all I do see is their silhouette. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had that version to, <laughs> to look at, you know, cause sometimes you'll see someone you are like, Oh, I don't know. But then once yeah, you going like, under the light and the costume <laughs> and hair, then it's like, oh, okay, this can work. It, the, the yeah, casting, it,
1: yeah, the casting yeah. has been really good. Like some of them, like, do you, let me ask you this real quick. I mean, you've, you've, it's been sure. over, and we'll have some questions about Vince in a bit. Um, <laughs> but is it the same guy playing Vince in all the episodes of There is Yeah, okay. Yeah. A- <laughs> <yeah. laughs> he getting yeah. a lot of know. work then, huh? <laughs> he does, he, he, he does.
4: He's probably the guy that's been called in the most, I would say. But mm-hmm. when uh, it's so funny, Jason, you should just get. You should just tell tell uh, that story of when he came in for the first time to audition for. Vince oh yeah, that's team. right.
3: I almost forgot. He came in and he had. He was. He's a doctor, and he had no <laughs> idea who Vince McMahon is. That's great. Absolutely no idea, and I. I think I played a clip of, of Vince.
4: You played a clip of you put pl- you played the clip of Vince doing the doing the walk. The walk, yes, <laughs> yeah.
3: And then he just got up from the desk, the actor, and started doing it, and it was, it was perfect. Like he got the job like right on the spot.
4: Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> and fantastic. it's so
4: funny. It's so funny because he, I he, I, th- I think he's from Brazil. I, I I think he is. He's from Brazil, and and you know we're we're never rolling audio when we're shooting the reenactments, you know. Um, so it's just really funny. Sometimes we just tell the actors that you, you can ad lib whatever you want, and it's just so funny when, when that one when we were doing the Montreal screw job, and he was just talking about WCW and WCW and <laughs> WWF. you know. Just, he has no idea what he's saying, and <laughs> so funny, you know.
2: Anyway, that's great. Uh, yeah. So pretty much all the episodes include uh, first-hand accounts of whatever topic you guys were talking about. You mentioned the Bruiser Brody and Tony Atlas is great. Absolutely great in that episode. Mm. Um, mm. Is that sort of a prerequisite for deciding on a particular topic you want to cover? Or have you ever thought about doing episodes that may have taken place you know, in the 40s, 50s, whatnot, where uh, first-hand accounts might not be as readily available, but, but uh, uh, you know, get the story through the eyes of historians per chance?
4: Great question. Um, Yeah. I mean, usually that's where we like we start with, you know, for the first hand account, mainly because, you know, the show uh, is kind of built around that, you know, it's kind of built around, you know, especially like when we were doing the Bruiser Brody thing, it was like, I think we could only afford like four interviews at the time, because that was our that was our pilot episode. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, we only get four voices. Now we have to make sure we pick the right four. And then it was kind of like, you know, It was kind of like well you know stan hansen you know knows bruiser brody more almost more than anybody you know but it was like but he wasn't there you know and abdullah was there and can show but then and then you know so it was kind of like we always tend to favor those 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 firsthand accounts because it just helps in the language of the reenactments where we just wanted to try and you know put you there from that person's memory because that's that's like like another quality of the reenactments we try to always embrace is that we wanted to feel kind of like an aged memory that's kind of more mm-hmm. subjective than because anytime you see a reenactment in a show that's like you know crystal clear and everything's there and you know i mean if you were if, if we were to turn the lights on in our studio and you were to see what we're actually oh. filming, people would people would think you know we were insane <laughs> um but but that was kind of the thing we wanted to lean into it's just the, that first-hand account memory type thing so that's usually where we start that's not to say that you know, sometimes we've had to rely on other voices of people who aren't here or that we would try something new maybe now, but that's kind of from the beginning, what the idea was.
2: Definitely, hmm. definitely. Um, as far as, 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 deciding on what topics to cover, referring back early, where you talk about being really obsessed with, especially with the bruiser Brody story and how that led you down the road to discovering new topics, what is the kind of like the selection process for topics over the course of,
3: of season? Well,
4: um jason go ahead if you if yeah you want. I,
3: like it kind of you know we are we we come into it with a list of ideas and evan and i will jam on them and you know just talk them through in a way it's like and, and see like who's around that can still tell the story and then there's you know a bunch of research goes into each one preliminarily and then like um we decide you know what are the ones that we're going to get the most access what are the stories too that you know, will be interesting to an audience that's not just a wrestling I was gonna you know, say, fan audience. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of appeals broadly.
4: Yeah, sorry. There, there's there's also a lot of like other criteria too, which I feel like like it's, it's kind of evolved. But like before, you know, we knew the show was called Dark Side of the Ring, for example, which you know now is kind of more of a guiding tool. But before that, it was kind of like you know the one thing that really appealed to us about Brody and about some of these older territory stories is the idea that, you know, these guys in, in like kayfabe and the fact that they kind of had to live two lives. lives—here as your wrestling character mm-hmm. and who you are in real life. And sometimes you can't tell the difference between the two or just this idea of like the reality and the reality like, and the fiction world of wrestling kind of combining and, and like you not knowing really where the truth lies. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like any story that encompasses that. And then take a little bit of that. And also like what stories could you tell for an hour that like anybody would be interested in not just wrestling fans so like in the beginning it was like montreal screw job fits that because you know it's, it's 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 a big story in this world that a lot of people who don't know what it is would be fascinated by and then also it, it involves a re, like a wrestling story angle becoming real and it has that kind of thing and then like um gino hernandez like that living your gimmick kind of you know vibe and here's a guy who's you know going off and really living his gimmick and that's you know a associated with his demise so it was that kind of idea of like how we were picking projects that really fit that theme like more so that than just like a biopic of a, of a rise and a fall mm-hmm. of a guy or something mm-hmm. you know it's really trying to hit those themes and that's what we did with season one and 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 and, and partially with season two um and now it's kind of just like what's the best story you know what's the best story i feel like is where we're, we're kind of at now
1: <laughs> i thought one of the one of the strongest episodes was the Dino Bravo episode,
0: mm-hmm. because That's cool. the, uh,
1: the family stuff, like the interviews with the family, it's absolutely devastating to hear how their lives were affected. Um, what, what episodes sort of were maybe, cause I mean, it's, it's one thing to do like the Herb Abrams episode where it's like, Oh, this guy's <laughs> coked out, but we have a lot of great memories. Um, What episodes stand out for you guys when it comes to the interviews that you did?
0: You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com that's dot com.
3: I think, um, I, I, you might have another one, Evan, but I, I think, Spending time with Kevin Von Erich and his family in yeah. Kauai was a huge experience. Um, that comes
1: across in the footage mm-hmm. as well. Like, mm-hmm. he filmed that yeah. so lovingly,
3: yeah.
2: It's almost oh, like thanks. a Terrence Malick type feel it, to it yeah, totally him right. going yeah. through the trees and stuff like that. Definitely Cool,
3: yeah. 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 That's kind of a vibe we wanted to get across. Was, you know We were you know, so um, blown away by how um, Kevin's living his life now. And for someone like him who's gone through so much tragedy and dealt with so much grief, you can literally see there how nature is like been healing him. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted that to come across. We wanted to show you like this environment that he's now living in and him and his family, they all live together, like on this compound on the same property there. And, um, it was like, it was a interesting process because when we first got there, I remember when we sat down to do the interview at first, um, it was, It was going a little rough. Um, Like Kevin, uh, we could sense like was being really guarded about um, how his father was being portrayed. And I got a feeling maybe like he felt burned on previous documentaries Mm. that um, that spot. Yeah, he was
4: like, he was overthinking it while he was telling the story. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so like
3: literally every question we would ask, he would revert it back to his dad and how he thought his dad was a good man. Um, So the first day of interview, uh, we didn't know (laughs) what we were going to get. And then um, we sat down with him. We showed him uh, a trailer we cut for for the Bruiser Brody episode because he hadn't we hadn't really had anything to show anyone at that point. It's the first season. But we realized, oh, we got this trailer. We can show him. And he watched the trailer hitting the suns. And he and when it was over, he was like, oh. This is like the Thin Blue Line. And we're like, oh, you know that it. documentary. <laughs> and that became like because a common place understanding. In,
4: yeah, because it, it took place in Dallas, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, That's and so right. he just yeah. he
3: totally got it. And then him and his sons, I think, got really excited that night when they saw that Bruiser Brody clip. And, you know, I think they knew that we were legit and coming from a place that, you know, um, with, a, with a lot of heart yeah. and, uh, and then he trusted us and uh, gave us like an amazing interview that day which is the majority of the episode Mm -hmm. yeah
4: and that that was like one of the most challenging things about season one was just that we had zero street cred you know and and rightfully so like we just like nobody knew nobody knew us we hadn't really done anything in this world before we had kind of the brody card which actually really did earn us a lot of trust with people because a lot of those guys like respect the hell out of brody and it's like Mm -hmm. oh you talk to brody's widow brody's son you know okay you're cool you know i remember bret hart kind of you know, sized us up with that when he when when he knew that we were you know telling the Brody story. He was like, okay, you know. He actually originally told us no, and then once we said no, hmm. we're doing Brody, he was like, oh, okay, well, Brody helped me out and you know and stuff like that. Yeah. So that that helped us. But you know, yeah, that that whole experience with Kevin Von Erich was just um, was, was 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 amazing. I think for me, the experience uh, there there's like two that really stand out to me. Uh, one was doing the Gino Hernandez story because. Like again, it was just like a. It was like there are some episodes you do that are just like, okay, this is an established, amazing story that we all know, and let's tell it. And we kind of know what we're 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 going to get when we go out the door. But this story every week was kind of uh just <laughs> was crazy. It was like we were really uncovering something. It was more of a journalistic approach. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we finally found Gino's mom and having that initial phone conversation with her, where she had told us that you know she believed her son was was, was murdered. And she, she looked her son's killer in the eyes at one point and knows his name and knows where he lives. And I was like, Oh my God. And that was just kind of the moment of like, wow, we've really stumbled across something. Um, and just getting to know that family and getting to earn their trust and doing that was just, was, was, was wild and being able to give her a little bit of closure to it, that story. And, you know, that story also took me to Meeting former drug dealers off the record In various restaurants with tape recorders, and, <laughs> and so that was just a wild experience. Um, yeah, and uh, which I'm sure we'll get to. Also, the Chris Benoit episode, just working with everybody in that episode and getting to know Chavo and getting to know everybody there, and them allowing us to make that episode and just being witness to a lot of emotions on that show oh, was yeah. pretty special.
1: The the Gino one, especially. Yeah, I, I remember the uh, the the revelation. I mean. For us as a TV show, you know, for you guys is your job, mm-hmm. but to have a part a, a massive part in giving somebody that kind of closure, that's kind of, I mean, that's gotta be kind of heavy.
4: Well, the heaviest thing for me, I think this
1: still ranks as the heaviest thing for me, like in the experience of
4: making the show is, you know, there was a time where when, when we, when we, you know, cause the family had never seen his body before they had never, they weren't allowed to see his body. If you remember from the
3: episode, yeah. And they have never seen thing. photographs or anything. No, yeah. Like yeah. That,
4: that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And it was like when we became, when we got possession of those crime scene photos, you know, for that episode, and it was like, wow, I'm possessing something that these yeah. people have wondered about for 30 years. Wow. Obviously, those photos, you know, which we don't really show in the episode are, are as horrifying as you might imagine that they are. But, you know, for that to be like, okay, you know, and we, like, we really need to see this and to be able to f- play it a part in that was just,
1: as a wrestling fan, you know, it's like, you don't, that was just, that was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's funny. Like, I think when, when we're talking about the reenactments, I don't know if you guys remember, cause you guys are, uh, you're probably around our age, probably a little bit younger. Uh, VH1 had like the cheesiest reenactment. It was called Hollywood Babylon, I think. Oh yeah. 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 And they had like actors who didn't look anything like. the people they were portraying and it was like, it was shot like it was a soap opera. So I'm glad you guys didn't
3: take your inspiration from that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Originally, (laughs) like we thought originally um, with the show, the reenactments would be shot on location, you know, with all the lights turned on everything. And then we realized quickly in pre-production, we don't have the budget Mm -hmm. at all to do Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so one day I just sat down with a camera And I think I just kinda told the story. Yeah, with the phone. I told I think it's like Dutch's perspective of the Bruiser Brody killing. Mm -hmm. I just I reenacted one of his like interviews kind of to camera. And then I I shot some reenactments with a flashlight and action figures just with in the darkness. Yeah. And I cut it together with some cool music and I showed it to Evan and he was like, damn, like i think at first you're we like we could shoot this with the action figure i was <laughs> gonna say that like yeah let's do this with all action figures and mattel has a new it line coming close. out yeah. it came
4: close yeah but it looked great yeah <laughs> let's do some um, stop motion
3: and, and then we did for like the first season there was like a version of a, like i think three episodes that had cuts of these action figure reenactments that i shot uh just so editors in. yeah just so yeah. the editors could have something to work with until we hmm. shot in the studio with actors. But yeah, that's how that came about. Uh, just- cowards, yeah. cowards, awesome. you
1: should've used the action
3: figures.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it would've been so hard.
3: But yeah, it, it was It was like, it's like, that was
4: kind of the thing. Like we, we treated the actors kind of like our action figures in a way, and you know? And it was kind of like, that's how we were able to visualize it, it was just like, okay, we knew we just, we needed to get the, like we were saying, like just like that silhouette and you could just, that, that could sell it. And sometimes we got lucky though. We got really lucky with casting. Like I remember we were at that WrestleMania in new Orleans when a few years back and um, we were there and we, like, I think you got up and Jason, you got like a, a beer or something. And here's this, randy savage cosplayer like in the hallway yeah and it was like it took my breath away like, it took, yeah. like we were just like hold
3: yeah shit. i like saw him. i got some lady to like can you shoot like a slow-mo video of me and this guy looking like randy savage and so th- i did it so you know because all our reenactments are done in slow motion yeah and then i took it to evan in the stands i was like look who i just found this like, is our random him.
4: book them <laughs> that is yeah, amazing and, and, that's so great that's and awesome then, and then and then and he showed up in Canada to, that's where we shoot the reenactments he showed up his wife came along and she had made him like all the wrestlemania robes and everything so oh it, like as a package was a package deal and like and and it, it just you, you you go back and you look at that footage i mean you know, some of that randy footage we shot of that guy is in focus and yeah. you know there's a reason <laughs> yeah he looks so much like him. i mean he doesn't have the yeah. build but like his face, it's just like yeah. crazy. Yeah, some of
1: them, some of them have been like dead on. Like we've talked. Yeah. You, if you've seen the recaps, you've seen like, oh my god, the I think it was like the Paul Heyman in the New Jack episode. Oh, I was yeah. like, that, that dude. Guy. It's like you actually got Paul Heyman on yeah. the stand. Um, that yeah. guy.
4: That guy came in and he is a Paul Heyman impersonator, isn't he? <laughs>
3: Yeah, partly so. Uh, yeah. And, he works in the wrestling world and his gimmick is kind of like a Paul Heyman. Oh, that's gimmick hilarious. Gimmick. That's
4: yeah, yeah, in Toronto. And he came in and the, I don't think he knows much about wrestling, but he came in and, and man, we were like, you got it. Like, you know,
3: you're <laughs> in. Yeah. It was like 10 seconds he like came in, put on his hat, and he was just like, all right, is this good enough? And we're like, yes. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So, uh, speaking of Paul Heyman, uh, uh, let's go to new Jack. Okay. What do you have any stories? What was your oh. takeaway from interviewing new Jack? One of the most <laughs> interest, because we've talked about one of the most interesting things about pro wrestling is where's the, the, the performer end, uh, where's the character beginning mm-hmm. and vice versa. New Jack is probably one of the most interesting people within that context and that seemed to be the punctu the punctuating moment was yeah, him yeah, with yeah. all the cocaine, but the uh the question of where are they, Jerome young is that his actual name yeah yeah Jerome young where does he end where does new jack begin what's your actual i mean you spell it out in the documentary, but it's it's fairly ambiguous. What are your guys' take on
3: that
4: well i I will say that for me new Jack was one of the more like i was the most inti- like intimidated going into oh it, yeah you know? yeah. Like I was just like I don't know what this is gonna be like, and you know, again, I I I've, I remember like I got his phone number, and a lot of these guys you just get their phone number and you have to call cold call them, and you know, you know, and so I remember just. Calling him and he answered the phone and I was just like, you know, I remember being like kind of scared and being like, Mr. New Jack, you know, or whatever. And like trying to say like, I'm, you know, have this TV show and we want to do a story about you and all this stuff. And, you know, and we want to make, we want to tell your story. Like, what do you think? And he's just like, yeah. "Yeah." And I was like, okay, so you're, 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 you're down to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, so we'll just come down to, you know, North Carolina or whatever. Yeah. All right, so just see you then. Yeah. And that was it. Just like, that was it. <laughs> so it was like, I only had like a couple of yeahs and like, you know, and I, and, and I remember we got there and there was a whole oh. mishap when we got there. I almost had a heart attack because we realized that we, and like the, the time to make an amateur mistake is not for the New Jack interview, I feel like. Yeah. 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 And there was like a big mix up on the venue that we had booked for uh, to actually interview him, like, because we wanted that movie theater look. It looked great. Yeah. It, that was like the idea like you know to have the the stands and in the background balconies and, you know, and- uh, yeah the balconies thank you and kind of just that whole vibe and we 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 like booked we accidentally like we thought we had booked a theater that was eight minutes away from his house but instead it was an hour and a half away in the town over and i was just like oh man like he's I'm, i was just picturing myself being mass transited like a couple <laughs> hours later and ah!
3: and uh it was it was bad but you know it all it all worked out and, it was amazing you know, yeah Evan, was got amazing. On the fo- Evan got on the phone with our production manager and was just like I don't care what you got to do you got to treat New Jack as if he's Dwayne Johnson you get a limo to pick him up <laughs> make sure there's booze have- in there and, everything. <laughs> yeah. and 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 just treat him like a star
4: you know and then it was all good because then I was able to call him and be like hey we got a limo picking you up You know and it's just a little bit of a drive but don't worry what do you like to drink you know and then so we had the we had the vodka and orange juice waiting for him and he showed up and there was no small talk whatsoever no sometimes you get get a chance to like small talk with some guys you know um to get a feel for them yeah
3: get them warmed up and Mm -hmm. you know build some trust even in a short period of time Mm -hmm. but once new jack i answered the door and he came in it was just like you know, yeah, <laughs> no small talk. I couldn't, like, Evan was saying, it was just like one word answers. I'm like, oh my God. I'm yeah. Like,
4: this
3: is going to But be then when time. that light
4: turned on, when that light turned on, yeah. it was, you know, he, he didn't hold anything back. And it was like, whoa, this guy knows how to yeah. talk on the mic for mm-hmm. sure. And, uh, and it was just a blast. And then, you know, even afterwards, there wasn't any small talk. And mm-hmm. then I don't think he really understood what he was doing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he knew this was like a, like, really a, TV show or what the what he was he hadn't seen the show. I don't I think he just thought we were yeah. some kids doing a shoot interview, which happens which happened to us a lot in the beginning. Um and then and then of course when it came out, I mean he was a huge fan of it and loved it and yeah. you know all that stuff. But you know, I do think that they're now knowing him like I know him. I mean he is very protective yeah. of his childhood, he's very protective of like we've seen him tell stories in other interviews about being a wrestling fan when he grew up, like you know, and, and he was a fan of Dusty Rhodes and he he loved that stuff. But sometimes he'll at you when when we asked about them now, he was like, No, you know, and he doesn't like to show that he's a he's mm-hmm. a fan of wrestling and, and all that stuff. So he really protects the character. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a difference between the two. And and especially when when we've seen him do live streams now, and you can see he's got all of his action figures in the background, like, all right, <laughs> right. yeah. you know. Yeah. So, but but you know, but he he was cool, and that, and that episode was a wild experience, you know. Tiny the Terrible, oh, all that yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was, <you> know,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's, it's funny because uh, Mustafa uh, uh, Syed wrestles in the Sacramento area, Yeah. Um, and oh, so we've wow. seen him. Several times. Oh, that's cool. Um, and he just seemed like the, you know, like you know, he's probably in his late forties, early fifties. He just seemed like the the most pleasant dude. Doesn't seem those, yeah, like, doesn't
1: seem like he uh he smokes a uh, pencil shaving. Pencil shaving. <laughs> <anymore. No. laughs> that
2: was a yeah,
1: great
4: that story. was yeah that like yeah. uh I think I think if we could turn back time and our schedule was a little different, like being able to get Mustafa in there would have been yeah. amazing. It's one of our regrets for sure. Um, yeah. Sometimes that just happens, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but
1: uh, yeah, love the dude. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right. Um, let's you talk uh, about. Oh, you want to do? No, you go ahead. Do go you want to you ask your Vince question? Cause I'm I gonna. That's, yeah, that's... I'll ask the Vince question. All right, go ahead. Uh,
1: <laughs> so uh, obviously, one of the connective threads throughout a lot of the dark side episodes is Vince McMahon. I have yeah. referred to him in the recaps as in the nerdiest way possible. As the Marvel Cinematic Universe phase one version of Thanos. He's always, he's always like propelling these stories. Either he's buying territories, putting him out of business, hiring people, firing people. Because he is, for all intents and purposes, the head of the table of pro wrestling. What's your take on Vince and what his legacy is going to be?
4: You know, I was just going to say that that's such a good that's such a good way to put it. And you know, he is. I mean, look. I mean, he's the guy that's responsible for wrestling being what it is today, and you know why we continue to obsess over it and talk about it. I mean, he's just he's a he's a controversial figure. He's a polarizing figure. He's been at the he's been at the head of you know great triumphs in wrestlings and controversies. He's just one of those characters that always will be debated and discussed throughout time. And for us, it's like it's not always it's not always that we set out to include vince in a story it's more that vince pops up in the story <laughs> like i actually remember when it was like when we were talking about doing the herb abrams episode it's like okay a story without vince you know and i was like great <laughs> right, yeah and all of a sudden here he comes and he shows that he does a run-in in the episode yeah you know and then it's like i never would have thought that you know or, or some other times where he, he winds up coming in And that's just mainly because, you know, he is that the most important figure one, if probably the most important figure in wrestling. And so, you know, for me, it's like, you know, obviously we've heard a lot of stories from guys, you know, um, you know, who knew him and worked with him and were close with him. And yeah, I mean, he just sounds like your standard eccentric CEO, you know, who has a lot of. Uh, qualities of, you know, where you want to impress that person. You want to, you want to, you want to be liked by that person. You want to be, you know, pushed obviously by that guy and things like that. But then there's also the complicated end of things because he's a businessman and he has to make a lot of decisions that come, you know, strictly down to money and business. And he's all about that. So I think a lot of people have this kind of complicated relationship with him because there is that sort of like friendship side and then there's the business side and, you know, yeah, so for us, I mean, he's just truly that enigmatic figure, and mm-hmm. I, and it, it's interesting when you look at all the episodes of our show. It, it is like he's this uh, always this omnipresent mm-hmm. um, supervillain force. You know, <laughs> but sometimes, it's, sometimes it's not planned that way. It yeah. just he just shows yeah. up that way. You
2: know, <laughs> that's great. I
1: don't all know right. if that answers your
4: question, but no, 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 oh, it totally, totally does. Totally. I was seeing if
2: Larson was gonna ask. Oh, I was going to see when we go to some of our the 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 questions. You want to do that now? Well, let's let's do this one really quick because I like this All question because right. you wrote this question. This is a good one. Uh, oh yeah, Should, s- you, can I ask this one because this is one that that's near and dear to my heart. So. Uh, when we were living in L.A., oh, there was Oh, no no, 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 we'll, we'll oh, wait till the one. end for that one. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, oh, wait till we're going we're right. yeah, to try to get <laughs> in on, on Dark
1: Side.
4: I think I know which one that one is. All right, just okay. 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 Uh, wait. First all right, of all, so, no,
2: the... the 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 Yeah, I see, yeah. I see what you're talking about. Uh, so Dark side is largely kind of focused on wrestling's past. Have there been any more recent wrestling events or stories that you think uh, at some point you might do an episode on, like speaking out movement this past year? how wrestling has handled uh, the COVID pandemic. So on any of those that might eventually, uh, make its way.
4: Well, you know, 2020 has been hell of a year for wrestling. Um, you know, just from obviously, yeah, like you were saying, the pandemic, speaking out everything else, it's been a wild year. And, you know, for us, it's like when we originally envisioned the show, we always envisioned it to be kind of a look at the past and the look in different eras and stuff. Um, there's going to be, you know, a story that we're going to be looking at. uh Perhaps a couple. We're like, you know, we haven't figured everything out yet. We haven't figured out all 14 episodes. We're still, we're still weighing a lot of things. You know, we filmed about half of them, and we're kind of trying to figure out the back half of them. But I think this season already is going to feature some more contemporary stories. Maybe not like 2020 contemporary stories. But I think largely the thing is just for us is just like that story hasn't been told yet. That story mm-hmm. hasn't, hasn't, hasn't been finished yet. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. and it's like. For the, for, you know, when, when we go out and film these episodes, I mean, you know, we only really get like probably six days to do the interviews, you know, Mm -hmm. or something like, something like that. So I think we have to kind of wait and see what, how 2020 will go down in the history books a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Let's do some, uh, some of the friendo questions here. Sure. Uh, From Church Jackson. What was the most shocking thing about the inner workings of the business that you learned that might not be widely known amongst the fans that you picked up along the way.
4: Um, Jason, anything
3: hitting you? Not off the top of my head. I'm, I'm sure there has been.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I have one, but it's kind of crude. But I guess it's the way the business used to be at one point. Do you remember, Jason, when we? <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this on the air. But do you remember when <laughs> we were? When we were one of the first times that Jason and I got to be to really talk to wrestlers. Uh, was well before the show. We were uh, at Sundance, a different year. And uh, Jake the Snake Roberts had his resurrection of Jake the Snake film at Slamdance. Sure. And of course, we had to get in on that. So we're there. And then there was these rumors going around that uh, Jake and DDP and Scott Hall were going to be watching the Royal Rumble that year at their... Um, Sundance, uh, you know, whatever condo, and so we were like, we had to, we pulled every favor we possibly could to get in on that, and so, so we did, and that was just like the most insane Mark experience ever, <laughs> yeah. and it was cool because it, really it was like was. we like we, we we this is a side story a little bit, but we like got there, this is my favorite, we got there and we're such marks that we showed up with zubas on like we were wearing zubas <laughs> to, to this royal rumble yeah. greeting and like you know we we're, we're just there and we we walk up the stairs and uh I see Jake Roberts and I'm like oh my god and uh he he totally you know sees my zubas and he's like
3: well goddamn I just took mine off 5 minutes ago you <laughs> know
4: whatever and, and it was like it was amazing uh and so so we were right at home but anyway he the coolest part about it was that we were just sitting there bullshitting with him and Scott Hall just, and they were telling stories left and right. And they were just, they were incredible. And and that definitely had to have been a huge inspiration on us at at some point in time. But um, one of the more shocking things, if I can say this on the air, but was that when, when Jake used to, Jake told us that when he was starting out, like one of the things, a lot of these early promoters, I don't remember who, were like, you know, basically pimping out these guys and saying, you have to keep the girl fans screaming. You know, the girls in the front row, you got to keep them screaming, you know? And he was talking about, you know, saying that, you know, some night man, you know, whatever, but other nights, man, you know, and just like, what are you talking, like this really happened? And so, yeah, that's pretty insane. Talk about some old time carny promoter. uh, Darkness. That is. Gotta keep the girls
1: screaming. That (laughs) is pretty dark. (laughs) Wow. And like him not
4: wanting to, you know, yeah. be a part of it.
1: Him wow. and him and Scott, I can't imagine. What the, him and Scott Hall are like two of the top storytellers. Like oh yeah, his, yeah. Scott Hall, yeah. when he's lucid, his interviews are so good, are so damn good.
4: Oh, he was uh, awesome. Uh, you know, we got to find we got to find another reason to 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 get him on the show for sure. Because- mm. Was that the
3: time too when we were at that? royal rumble party with them at sundance where scott someone brought up the montreal screw job and scott just went total work total work we're like what yeah yeah that's a work
4: yeah yeah he was like total work and then like i filed that back into my head Mm
3: -hmm. yeah yeah.
4: and when we and then when we're like well if he thinks that's a work like you know let's let that's interesting it would no it was
1: perfect for him to be the voice of that particular conspiracy theory i like that Yeah. yeah
4: can i can i actually say real quick Your guys's recap of that episode, I do remember now. It just hit me when you guys caught on to that, Mm -hmm. because you guys were like, you know, they included this in the show to show that there is a world of conspiracy theorists out there, and it was, and that is completely the, you know, because some people, including Bret Hart, were like, thought that we, this is what we think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like no, just because you included it in the piece doesn't mean you think you're mm-hmm. yeah whatever so anyway yeah. thank you guys for
1: picking up on that yeah yeah, yeah we definitely can, we have our moments here or there um yeah, I, on, I, on a rare occasion yes on a rare occasion i love this yes. question here um dan barber asks mm-hmm. uh what episodes or what ideas have you had for episodes that you ended up not being able to do because you couldn't secure interviews uh ended up being too uh expensive or even too depressing is there anything that's like too depressing too expensive you can't get the interviews like have you had any ideas that you've had to just be like look we can't even consider it going forward because xyz there's there's reasons
4: well you know it's it's hard to say which ones haven't because we've always kept the door open on all of Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. um you know i just i remember in season one You know we were initially supposed to do 10 episodes that was what they ordered and then halfway through production they told us sorry you can't and it's going to be six and so then that was like we were in the middle of shooting brawl for all and we were in the middle of shooting dino when that happened so we had to shelf those Mm -hmm. so some at some point in time we thought those never were going to see the light of day um you know and 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 i I go back to season one and being like chris benoit might have been that you know where Mm -hmm. it was like you know that was maybe too dark. We didn't. We didn't know anybody. We had no access. You know, no street cred. How are we going to tell this story? So everything that's we've had that conversation with, we've always kind of put it to the side mm-hmm. and been like, well, you know, next uh, on the next go around, we'll 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 get it. So there's a few that come to mind, but I don't want to necessarily say them now because mm-hmm. there's still ones that we may want to do. And right. most of the time, the reason that we keep them close to the chest is because. You know, we, if we haven't reached out to the folks that are involved in the story, and, and if that involves a sensitive family member or anything, we don't want them to be like, well, they didn't talk to us about it. And, you know, and so we Definitely. don't we yeah. want to give them the respect of that. But yeah, there has been, there has been a few. Um, but, you know, I think any of the ones that were like, I don't know, the door's still open, mm-hmm. I think, and we're still trying to figure it out. And I think, especially now that we have 14 episodes in a season three, a lot of those were the ones we've always wanted to do. We're trying to make work for sure.
2: For sure. Awesome. Um, this one's from uh, Smurf Galloway. Uh, it says Smurf did you... Galloway. Yeah. <laughs> did those interviewing have knowledge of the others you had interviews? For example, did Jim Cornette know that Vince Russo's could be interviewed and vice versa given their, let's say contentious relationship or was, or was that you know, was disclosed to each other before, uh, talking to him?
4: Good question. Um. Well, Jason, I've been yammering. If you want to take I don't, this one, I'm just. I'm trying to even think. Okay. Well, um, then I'll answer. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. I mean, it, it 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 basically depends on the order in which the interviews are filmed. Um. Where, like, you know, we'll kind of stoke those flames a little bit. We're like, well, you know, <laughs> this guy. This guy said this about you, you know, or whatever. Um, so it kind of depends on if, if you've gotten that interview before. But one thing that became clear to us, kind of going back to the blueprint of the show was, again, going back to Brody, when it was kind of like, there's that moment in an episode where you get that disparity between, I think, Tony and Abdullah about where, where, how the mm-hmm. events happened. And for us, it was like, we we went back and forth on that a lot of like, do we show that? And then I was like well let's really lean into the to that because that's really part of the subjectiveness of this whole thing so and you know wrestlers and the truth sometimes can be mm-hmm. you know subjective mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> and so we wanted to really run with that and make it part of the experience and make it almost part of the experience to show we well, we always try and show the audience a little bit of what it's like like the experience we're having making yeah. the show and um, and so anytime where stars align like that, then we will, you know, say, you know, and, I, and the Vince Russo, Jim Cornette is a very good example where, you know, we interviewed Jim Cornette so many times in the show because he's in a lot of the episodes. It's, we have the opportunity to tell him, well, so-and-so said this, you know, react to that. Um, or with Russo when we did that, I definitely remember being like, well, Jim said this and you, yeah. you know. And then he, you know, talks about coming out of a box or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I mean, it, it 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 makes sense to do that. I'm thinking of the uh, the Jordan documentary where they literally just give him an oh, iPad, yeah. And yeah. say, react to this, and you have like a million memes that are just yeah. born immediately. Oh, so yeah,
4: it actually is. Uh, it's really smart because when when you're able to do that, it tends to really get the best out of the uh, yeah. interview subject. Because they're, you know, reaction. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great tool, and that's what we've yeah. done
1: too: showing the interview subjects the matches, showing mm. Jim Cornette the yeah. New Jack shit. Oh, the, oh that the, was great. The Cornette yeah. reacting. It's funny because my wife, my wife had seen a couple of the episodes, and again, it's it's the kind of thing where because my wife's not into wrestling, um, right. and if if somebody who's not into wrestling can watch it, I forget what the first one she saw was. But she was into it like she was like, because it's just it's That's a cool. it's a story that anybody can get into. Mm-hmm. Um And I I was like, dude, you got to see this new Jack one. And that was the one where she drew the line. She was like, Steve, why are you making me watch this right now? This guy <laughs> yeah. stabbing people. This is like because she didn't she didn't know the mass transit incident. She has no idea the history. So she's thinking like when you don't know that the worst could happen. You know what I mean? Like this kid might die. And so she's so, I mean, to her, like basically you guys made a horror film out of New Jack, which I mean, it's probably such a visceral reaction. I'd call it a success.
4: That's that's (laughs) what we, I mean, every episode that we start, when we start editing them and we have the meetings with the editors or the composers, we always kind of are like giving them kind of a, like, you know, this is what it should be like. Like for Brawl for All, it was like, this is like our Mortal Kombat tournament episode, you know? So if you look at a lot of the music in that episode, it does have that kind of like house music (laughs) vibe Mm -hmm. of Mortal Kombat. And then with New Jack, it was very much like, this is a Michael Myers story. You know, Jim Cornette's the Dr. Loomis and, you know, (laughs) New Jack's the Michael Myers. And so a lot of the music is kind of that like Ice Cube meets, John Carpenter vibe. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. Anyway, yeah, the reactions were absolutely like oh, a yeah. highlight of the show. Delos, Delos, no, it, yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Oh my god, it was yeah. great. All right, Larson, shoot,
2: shoot your shot. Let's try to get it. All in right, there. well, it's, it's our shot. That's not just mine. So, uh, uh, <laughs> bringing this full circle, kind of the casting idea. So, back when we lived in LA, there was this, this promotion that was seemingly very inspired by another promotion, ECW, uh, <laughs> taking stuff to the extreme, but. Without any of the creativity, I'm talking about XPW. Uh, we were there for one of the more controversial moments uh, when Supreme got lit on fire. Right. Um, if you ever do what?
1: No, <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking about it because oh, oh, it was, a, it it was, was traumatizing, horrible. It was
2: horrible. <laughs> um, so if you ever do an episode on XPW, if you're looking for people to give their recollections, and maybe better yet, be there for the reenactment. Yeah, uh, we will volunteer. We, I, uh, I will. I will. We will. Where do you guys film at? You guys film in L.A. It's in Toronto.
4: Oh, it's so in it's Toronto. A far. Okay. It's a little far and um but it you know that would be awesome. Abs ab, like ab, ab, like absolutely. It, if you guys can get there yeah. and you can quarantine for 14 days. No
1: <laughs> we will do whatever to even honestly even if it's just to be an out of focus I'd prefer just to be an yeah. out of focus fan that, because then our the friend <laughs> will tell the people look for us. That that
2: incident is one of the most vivid memories I have. Yeah, I mean,
1: having lived through XPW, if you need the fans perspective, then Mm. we would totally be down to come out.
2: Where were you guys sitting like when that happened? We were on the floor. um, We were these six rows back. We were only
1: a few rows back.
2: So I remember at one point uh, it was it was Supreme and uh, Kid Chaos, right? Yeah. They were doing like a lightsaber fight with uh, uh, fluorescent tubes, and a <laughs> shard about that long broke off and went flying into the crowd. I remember falling with my oh. eyes as it went to my left. Basically landed where no one was sitting. Yeah. And at that moment, I was like, "This is probably not going to go well." Never imagined someone get lit on fire. And we were, we were like, I mean, we were in college. We were just
1: maybe post. It was post college, but barely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even at that age, when you're kind of desensitized to violence, you're like. Oh well, this this is kind of cool. When we saw just how much, like when when you're seeing in real time the lighter fluid going wrong, I'm watching it right now, and watching oh, yeah. how much it was over and over again that this lady, that Veronica Kane, was pouring the, and we we're like, that's too much. And on top of that, it's probably the wrong type of lighter fluid. It was.
2: A, there's an interview with the uh, the gigolo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, who who was in Enterprise? I think. Or the was was it Enterprise? I think was the name of their 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 faction. faction. It was the wrong type of lighter fluid. And Supreme goes through, and we totally understood this guy is soaked in lighter fluid right now. This could go bad in real time. You're thinking this guy is probably going to die. And one of their priorities, I mean, it makes sense because you've got you don't want the entire building to go up in flames. But they like they start putting out the table like almost. I think it maybe be before. They put out Supreme Supreme's running around and we're like, this guy's going to get other people on fire and and he's still on fire, too. They finally put him out. And then eventually when they cart him out, he sort of raises his hand. And it's really difficult to see with the footage that's out there. But he raised. Uh. I remember the flesh just looking like it's melting
2: off him. Oh, It was bad. It was bad. It was. And then like three years later, I saw him at a Togo's in Hollywood.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then he just recently passed away. uh, I know. Like last year, I think.
2: I know.
4: Oh man. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Wow. I'm looking at it right now and they're just yeah, cutting his shirt off and mm-hmm. giving them Rob oxygen. Black, the, the the
1: owner of XPW is a fascinating story. Like that that entire scene well, is fascinating.
4: We had a little Rob Black adventure uh for season two, um, which was uh, uh literally a, a a a mission that we uh that we gave to one of your childhood friends, Jason. Mm-hmm. Because in the episode, in the in the New Jack episode, obviously there's the clip of Vic Ryan. Yeah, right, and, mm-hmm, right, right. That's part of XBW, and and so we needed that. We needed to license that clip, and we needed permission to use that clip. And um, and uh, at the time, it was like Rob Black owns that clip, I guess, or I don't know who owns it now, or what the deal was. But we um, <clears throat> we we basically he wasn't returning our phone calls or our emails or anything, and so we actually were up against such a crazy deadline that we that we got one of your childhood friends i guess who was working for us a little bit at the time and we got him to drive from toronto down to rochester new york to basically stake out his burger restaurant that he has right now oh wow and we had to wait for this dude to show up to work where he was flipping burgers and basically be like hi like we need your signature on this document here (laughs) you know like and it was like this and he's he wound up like having to wait there for like I don't know five or six hours like watching him flip burgers and yeah he just like
3: sat in the restaurant just watching him work and then at like one point because i was worried for him like i just i came out of my editing suite to seeing the crew like getting my friend geared up to go down and do this mission and i'm just like what is going on and then like i texted him like how you doing he's like man i've been just drinking monster energy drinks with this guy for like two hours. <laughs> <God>. <laughs>
4: Damn. But we got it. Like when we got it, we're like, we got it. I
0: oh, you
3: know, that.
5: was like, you know, cause imagine
4: that not having that footage, we would have been screwed. Yeah. So we had to send him like covert into that burger restaurant and he had yeah. to come home. Like check into a hotel, bud. you can't leave until you come back with that. Wow. Beer. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's great. Have you guys, that's one other question I had. Has there been any, pushback from wwe to to vice or you guys
4: no um there hasn't been any um you know any correspondence really Mm -hmm. i mean you know um you know obviously we probably with the stories we're telling can't have much of a working relationship there Mm -hmm. um but yeah no i mean you know no no pushback no uh response really Mm -hmm. from (laughs) anyone i mean wrestlers wrestlers you know i don't want to name any names sure, but yeah. a lot of wrestlers we know over there watch the show and are fans of the show and things like that but yeah um
1: none none so far as that so huh. hmm. wow yeah. interesting well hey listen we can't thank you guys enough for, oh, for awesome. hopping on this was a really really fun time uh maybe when season three has wrapped yeah. you guys can stop by again and we'll we'll talk about that
3: love to that'd be great. absolutely
1: absolutely cool all right well oh, thank you so you guys much, so much. Guys. appreciate it Awesome. Take care. Thank you so
3: much. Help support Going In Raw
1: today by becoming a Frendo Club TV member. You'll get access to new bonus episodes every week, including Frendo Club Arcade,
5: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list.